Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Evolvepreneur Secret Show for Entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Brian Silverthorne. And my mission is to help entrepreneurs make a difference in their businesses and navigate the messy worlds of startup, growth, or relaunch. And today we're going to dig deep with our guest and get you the best concepts and strategies in business tech. Welcome to the show, Maya. Uh, welcome, Brian. It's lovely to be here uh, and to be sharing in the mission of Evolvepreneur. Well, we're happy to have you. I'm kind of looking at your uh, the, the tagline on what you do. I'm curious to find out uh, more about that. That sounds very interesting. Perhaps you could start us off with uh, your backstory and let us know how you got to where you are today. Sure. Well, um, I've been a full-time freelancer for about the last five years now, but I've always been a storyteller one way or another. I've always been interested in the impact of change and technology on people and societies. And so I moved from London to Spain over a decade ago with my family because I believed that the future of work should be location independent and that because I was able to work from home, it was a great privilege. I could choose where that would be. Uh, and since my side hustle of writing gradually transitioned into a full-time way of life, my storytelling is focused on those aspects of what's happening at this incredibly unevenly distributed bleeding edge of future technology, whether that's in business or money or work. The, the pace of change recently has been so fast. There's huge amounts of development going on. Nobody can know everything about everything that's happening. So I feel that there's a role for storytellers at the edges and trying to bridge those gaps and synthesize what's going on in business and technology and connectivity. And at the same time, the human side of things, how we want to live, how we want to relate to the work we do, where we do it, how we want to spend our time, uh, what tools we want to use because it should be that way around so that's what I love doing I write for publications and for brands who were doing interesting things at those future edges well that that is very interesting so you don't you don't really have clients you provide your services uh, uh, like you said for publications and your podcast that sort of thing Yes. I mean, my clients are um, sometimes they're brands who give me bylines. Sometimes they are businesses who it's more of a ghostwriting private relationship where, um, you know, their first language might not be English or their first language might be code. Um, but it's often some incredibly creative and brilliant people. But my specialism is to help them tell that story, whether it's to future customers or investors or whoever else needs to hear it in a more accessible way. Okay, well, that's that's very interesting. I've I've always been a big uh, storyteller fan. I think that's the way history was passed down, mm. uh, you know, when, uh, from the beginning until they started recording it in some other way. And being involved in in selling and speaking for a number of years, that the more you tell people stories, they have a tendency, at least in my experience, to remember the information that you impart better. Uh, through a story rather than a list of facts. Have you found that same thing uh, in your oh, work? Definitely. We're storied creatures, I think. As you say, that's that's our history. Uh, we had oral narratives long before we had any form 
of recording and most societies developed these ways of passing down traditions and rules and they became codified into rituals and religions and all sorts of other things and then eventually we started scraping it on clay tablets or something and had something a little bit more permanent but even then that as you say that was recorded by certain classes and winners in different situations and the the stories that that we tell that we hear um they're not neutral and even right up to the present moment you'll probably edit the show um in case i start screaming or swearing or something so every story is edited and shaped by the storytellers i promise i won't do either of those things <laughs> um <laughs> but you know ev storytelling is is a, an art that has many influences but it's vital to human communication and growth and we have to know our history in order to know where we're going yeah i agree that's um I'm a big fan of that. So what what, do you, what is it that you like most about what you do? Um, I think I love the fact that I get to work with so many interesting people and get to tell so many great stories because they're not my stories. You know, I, I get to find out what other people are doing and put that across. At the moment, one of my favorite projects that I've been working on this year is the Future is Freelance podcast, which is... It's a freelance gig for me. It's on behalf of a brand who needed a post and needed somebody to host and produce their podcast. And it means I get to talk to people who are offering amazing services and products and activities for the freelancer, sort of solopreneur, digital nomad community. Um, it's made me very itchy feeted actually to want to go and travel and see the world like a lot of these people are doing. And it's made me think about my own business and where I want to go and those kind of choices. I think particularly because we're at this pivotal time when the way we work is changing. We're coming out of this tremendous upheaval of the pandemic period. Lots of people are questioning their relationship to work and how they live and where they live and what they want to do, how they want to be spending their time. And it's great to talk to people who are addressing that choice creatively for their own very active and conscious reasons rather than they've just stayed in the same career all their lives unquestioning so if I can tell their stories and put that out there for other people to question and build upon the conversation then that's exciting work to be doing oh that's great I, yeah you're right the last couple of years have kind of shaken up the way people do work and now even mm. prefer to do work and I, I read a short little article a couple of days ago where a few businesses are now uh, uh, requiring that their employees spend a month away twice a year <laughs> to work from any location they want. So uh, it's a whole new view of things. Yeah, so, that's good. Um, do you have, you know, what would be called maybe an ideal client, somebody that you uh, um, prefer to work with? I know there's a number of niches out there, but uh, if you have an ideal client, what would that look like? That's an interesting question, um, particularly because for a long time, two of my biggest niches have been in the future of work and the future of money. I've written a lot about blockchain and distributed ledger and Web3 stuff and a lot about remote work and digital nomad type stuff. And now, finally, they're starting to converge. So my ideal project would probably be some kind of business focused metaverse startup Um who've got a really interesting, unique take on what the future of life and work is going to be looking like in the next 12 months, in the next five years, and even further afield. So that would be my perfect client, I suppose, obviously with lots of funding as well, um, and understanding the need for outsourcing really good content creation. Okay, great. So 
um, how how does your ideal client or any client at the moment find you? Um, usually they find me through LinkedIn, okay. um, which is probably, uh, you know, I spend, I do do coaching with people looking for remote work and building creative businesses. And I, I don't always practice what I preach because I often say you should have your own website and your own properties and things like that. But LinkedIn has just evolved into my hub of where all my work history and projects and testimonials and thoughts tend to come together. I mean, there's Twitter too, but you, you know, you can't think that much in 280 characters or I can't I'm a long form creator yeah more than anything else so LinkedIn is probably the best place for people to to start a conversation and I've I've met lots of fascinating clients there and lots of very interesting communities you know people that I don't necessarily work for but work with in the sense that we're all part of the same conversation yeah I've noticed that uh, with some of the uh, coaches and other clients that I've worked with that uh, they kind of use LinkedIn as their hub as well without mm. the need to, ha to have a website. So when you're using that, do, do people reach out to you based on the content that you provide on LinkedIn or do you do any active uh, uh, prospecting or reaching out on your own through some of their systems? I tend to do more inbound stuff. I, I put a, I create a lot of content obviously because that's my job and it's my job to share it and amplify it as well. I don't tend to do sort of cold networking on LinkedIn, but I do connect with people who are interesting, try and interact with them. Very occasionally I'll pop someone a message if I notice so they're obviously doing so brilliantly that they haven't managed to update their blog for six months or they're telling a really interesting story about a project launch, but information is thin. I'd know I'd like to know more about it. So what they really need is a, a great white paper on it. They just clearly haven't got around to finding the right person to write that for them yet because they're much too busy. At that point, I might make a, a, quite a specific pitch um, and suggest that. Other times, I'll let the conversation evolve more naturally and organically and wait to be asked. Okay. That's good. I know they offer a, a, a lot of uh, tools and stuff for reaching out, but uh, I've always been a big fan of doing something that... Uh, piques the interest of others and have them reach out to you. So. Yeah, yeah. I feel I hate that kind of very random LinkedIn connection request uh, that you know is going to be followed by one of those sales navigator email blasts, which <laughs> you just zero sort of personalization or insight um, telling me what they're going to do for my team. Well, okay, you really haven't looked at my profile then because I'm a freelancer. Um, right. <laughs> what tools do you think I need to manage this team and why would I need to suddenly hire a random whatever? <laughs> um, yeah, so I can't stand those kind of shooting from the hip approaches to sales. I don't think that's where business is done on the B2B front these days. I think it's all about relationships and it's worth investing in building relationships. Otherwise, you're just a commodity at the end of the day. Um, I know that there are people who can string words together much more cost-effectively than me, if you're measuring it by the, the word or the yard, for example. I have zero to gain by trying to compete with people who work in that way. I will write you X blog posts for X dollars. It simply right. doesn't work. That's that's not the pond I'm fishing in. I'd much rather build relationships with people who are doing interesting work in the spheres that interest me. 
Uh, and then at some point, hopefully they'll realize I'm the best person to tell everybody else about that too. Yeah, I, you know, it's the, the relationships is huge. It always has been, mm. um, but it's, uh, you can create those relationships much differently than prior to technology. Um, Absolutely. So it's, it's good to do that and, you know, uh, give a little bit before you expect to get. So it's a good way to do business. So you, you talked mm. about the, the future of work and the future of money um, when it comes to money, uh, which is something that, you know, all entrepreneurs need to have to take care of themselves, their families, their businesses, do good things, that sort of thing. Do you do you uh, ever think about uh, uh, having revenue goals for your business, like in the next 12 months or so? I try not to think of it too I, you know, I have clear goals in my head of what I want to invoice each month, put it that way. Um, and that inc includes being able to budget time for what I want to do. It includes being able to budget travel that I want to do. For example, if there's an event I want to attend, just the fact that, okay, yes, from a technical point of view, that I could legitimately expense that to the business, but actually does it serve my goals in terms of the people I'm likely to meet, whether that's likely to lead directly to income or whether it's likely to lead to contacts that might be worth something further down the line. So I have clear goals about income. Obviously, I've got a family to support. and One day I might even want to stop working quite as hard as I do. So there are financial goals in that sense. But I, I don't work full time anymore. Um, my time is a bit more fluid than that. I have other things I want to achieve in my life as well. Um, I've, you know, I've really got to try and get better at my Spanish. I've got a big fundraising Camino event coming up later this year. And there are things I want to do outside of work too. So I need to try and balance all of those goals and still keep the lights on. So it's a perpetual freelancer challenge. <laughs> okay. I, I understand, but the, it's nice to have the freedom. Um, Absolutely. But, yeah. But you still, you still have to have a couple of bucks to allow you to uh, take advantage of that freedom. Definitely. So, I, I, you, you've got a couple of books, is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, I've written a few books over the years. Most recently, certainly during the pandemic period, I was very focused content-wise, as opposed to client work in terms of my own content creation, I was focused on supporting people working from home because I've been doing it for 22 years now. And for me, in fact, the pandemic didn't bring that much change actually to my day to day because my husband works at home as well. Um, two older daughters at home studying, but obviously I was very aware of the impact it had on pretty much everybody else. And so I was creating a lot of content in support of that. So healthy, happy homeworking was the big project then. I was actually working on the book. It was going to be one big book, the healthy, happy homeworking kind of Bible was, was going to, I was pitching that at the end of 2019 because then I thought I knew everything about working from home and the world had nothing more to teach me. I was coming up to my 20 year anniversary then you see, because I've worked from home since the arrival of my millennium baby, um, oh. who is now <laughs> far from a baby. Um, but then of course the whole world turned upside down and I realized people didn't want an enormous book and a TED talk, they needed more actionable, accessible content, how to do it, how to manage your tech stack, how to set your boundaries, how to work with other people in the home, how to deal with, quite practical things. So it turned into a shorter blog and book series. So I can call it a book series because there are two out. There's a third book on hybrid working, which has been in the works for months and months and months because the hybrid 
being the, the person working from home in a hybrid setup is something that I am really interested in and writing a lot about, but it's changing so fast in terms of what businesses are expecting. So that's kind of been on the back burner for a little while. And as you can probably hear, I've had that virus that's been going around. So it's like croakiness ongoing. I apologize. Oh, well, I, I'm sorry to hear that you've had the virus. I hope it's not uh, getting to you too badly, but I hadn't noticed Hopefully it's problem. history. <laughs> well, if I, if I start croaking too much, I've got my water. Um, but that's certainly, that's the kind of thing that drives a truck in book writing deadlines as well. So hopefully there'll be a third, third book in that series by the end of the year. I've written other things as well, including a feminist novel about Bitcoin, um, a book about research techniques back in the day and co-authored books on remote working and managing remote teams. So it's these are sort of interlocking themes, but all related, at least in my head, as this whole idea of storytelling from the future and joining the dots in terms of tech and, and people. Oh, that's interesting. Did, so have the books been a, a good source of income for you? Are they a bestseller or they're... No, <laughs> no. Okay. I mean, in terms of book sales, definitely not. Um, you know, I'll be completely honest. If any of your listeners are thinking I'm going to be a best-selling author, I genuinely wish you luck. Uh, I certainly haven't cracked the formula and cannot give you any good business advice on doing that. But what I can say is that both the books and the podcasts that I've hosted and appeared on have been excellent sales tools in terms of relationship building and when somebody comes to you and they want to work with you if they feel that they know you already because they've read something you've written or they've heard your voice or they've they've seen you speak um, that's incredibly powerful it's just impossible to quantify you only go it's very anecdotal people yeah. say oh yes I, you know i know that you know about this um, so you can think of each book as a very, very long, complicated business card, if you like, but it's definitely well worth doing. And, you know, I've also ghostwritten books for other people for exactly that reason. People who have a unique experience, niche expertise. It's like, OK, let's get something published for you that you have to hand. You can send people you can point to on Amazon. You know, you are an author because everybody's got that book inside them and not everybody's going to be able to to get it out there easily, but it, it is a very good way of demonstrating your authority and thought leadership. Yeah, would it would it be a benefit if any of your books were bestsellers? Would it make a difference? Difficult to say, really, because I've always tried to keep them. Um, I mean, I would love it if the Bitcoin book Beyond the Chain sort of exploded and took off because it's one of those it's it's dealing with helping women who are financially excluded and socially excluded become empowered through cryptocurrency so that's one that from just an ethical social point of view i would love to become a bestseller or become popular or become passed from hand to hand secretly even if nobody else ever knew about it if it helped people um, so far as remote work and things like that are concerned often it's as soon as you commit something to the book Obviously, you can update it if it's an ebook, but if it's in a fast moving sphere like business technology or even business practice, it's out of date almost as soon as you hit upload. And it's great to think that people have got it on their shelves. But actually, if they then come and speak to me and or consult with me, they'll probably find there are aspects that have moved on even from the thing that they bought a couple of months ago. So, you know, I don't I think it's important that these things don't fossilize and become a single point of reference. Instead, they're part of a movement of a developing practice of thought leadership, and they need to be seen in context of more dynamic content, really. 
No, that, that makes perfect sense. What you, you mentioned the, the cryptocurrency. That's something that I still scratch my head over. I, and probably because I haven't taken the time to, uh, mm. to, to dig into it. I understand the concept of the blockchain technology, but, uh, beyond that, um, you know, I'm, I, uh, I guess my interest level hasn't gotten high enough for that, I'm, yeah. but I'm thoroughly curious at the moment. So I may, I may have to dig a little bit deeper. So yeah. uh, do you, is there, a, is there a great interest in that subject with, uh, with women? Do you think? I think it's one of those technologies that hasn't really broken through yet at the moment. Um, well, at the moment, all anybody can focus on is price because it's, affected by the economic downturn just like every other aspect of finance mm -hmm. um and at the moment oh you know crypto's dead again but this is for the this happens every couple of years and then it it rebuilds what i'm still seeing is a great deal of development going on a great deal of innovation yes there's a lot of people who are actually freezing hiring and things that had exploded very quickly. There are lots of people who've lost money as well because of speculation. But in terms of the underlying technology, I think there's still an awful lot of very interesting things going on. But to your point of whether it's something you need to know about as an individual, I think it's one of those things that you'll, when the time comes, then you'll find out about it and you'll find out at the level that's appropriate then. Because at the moment, it's still very much in the geek zone. This is like internet early 90s where you had to have sort of quite niche interest and equipment and access to a certain community to really get it and want to get into it and when you compare that to the internet today uh, web 2.0 and social media and the accessibility of it you know nobody talks about tcp ip so probably no one will talk about bitcoin protocol in 10 years so you know if if it's not if you're not ready for it yet just don't dismiss it keep it in the background of your life and, and when you need to know you'll find knowledge at the level that you need it then because the user experience is one of the things that's being heavily invested in at the moment there's so many interesting developments that are going to make this stuff just so accessible and so yes. universal um and then you know it'll be ready so you can get on board then well good i'm sure yeah i'm sure that uh, <laughs> when the time comes that that uh, i'll i'll uh get more thorough involving that Absolutely. so so you also uh, in addition to the books you have your podcast going and and uh is that working well for you yes well the futurist freelance isn't actually my podcast it's uh it's a freelance gig that on behalf of an estonian business i mean i am an estonian e-resident as opposed to running my business in spain because running a business in spain is horribly complex and expensive. And um, as a British citizen, it's more difficult running a business in the EU now. So I operate my business from Estonia. And the company who provides my business portal services in Estonia specializes in supporting freelancers and solopreneurs and startups. And I was talking to them about content one day and said, why haven't you got a podcast? And they said, that's interesting. We've been thinking about that. And it grew into the most interesting gig that I've tackled this year, which was hosting and producing their weekly podcast. So that has led me to talk to so many amazing people and get to some fascinating events. We're just wrapping up on season one. We're going to take August off, which will be a little bit of a relief because a weekly show, um, as I'm sure you know yourself, sort of comes into a full-time job almost, which wasn't quite what I'd 
really signed up for, especially when the COVID hit and everything else. It was kind of, wow, how do I get through this? And I'm, I'm ready to take a summer break now, but it's been such fun. And I'm really looking forward to season two and all the people that it's bringing me into contact with and all the interesting stories and people that are doing fascinating things from automation to community building to we, people who are killing it on platforms like Upwork, people who've really niched into things like teaching English. People say, oh, you can't make a living doing that anymore. Well, you can if you really specialize and go after an incredibly precise market. Uh, so there, it's opened my eyes to so many different ways to be a freelancer, to be an entrepreneur, and in a completely location independent way. So yes, uh, I know. Gonna, I know you said I could pitch at the end, but the future is freelance. If you if you want to check out a different podcast, yeah, yeah. listen to the end of this one, obviously first. But, but you know, then you can go and find us at all the major players. Yeah, that. Um, uh, one of the things that I like most about this is I really meet a lot of fascinating, interesting, uh, fun and intelligent people. And they're from all different parts of the world, not just mm. uh, you know, down the street or in the next city. So it's, uh, it's really a pleasure and a, for me to, to interact with people like you and, and learn from your experience and, and, uh, and get to know you a little bit through the podcast. So uh, we're getting toward the end here. Uh, are there any questions that maybe I should have asked and didn't that you'd like to answer? Or do you have any final thoughts? Um, not really. I would only say that the best opportunities that have come my way in business have simply been by being open to things I wasn't expecting. And for me, that's evolved into the whole niche of telling stories about things that are happening or going to happen in the future. but even if that's not your niche and you have, you're occupied in a very different area, I suppose the best advice I could give anybody is just be open to things. So if there are questions along those lines, then go ahead. But maybe it's it, you don't know what opportunities are around the corner. And it's a very interesting time to be in business and doing anything creative. So I'm, I'm just glad that we're all here together to witness it. And it's it, it's great to be part of that. Yeah, along those lines, I have no questions along those lines, but I, I don't know whether I read it or I heard it a number of years ago, but it said uh, the, the quote was, learn to live in the world of uncertainty because mm. therein lies all opportunity. Absolutely. So, so you never know what's coming along, when it's going to come along. You just It's, it's all about being aware and, and, as you say, being open. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's, that's a cliche, but it's outside the box where the magic happens. Yeah. So uh, any uh, final thoughts? You know, how do people find you? You want to say a little bit about your business? Absolutely. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can, I'm Maya Middlemiss. I think I'm the only one on the internet still. So you can find me on all the socials at Maya Middlemiss. I think there's a teenager in Arizona. If, if there's anybody sporty, that's not me. But everything else is me. So it's a very, very clear dividing line there that I'll do nothing to confuse. So please um, come and check me out on LinkedIn and Twitter. You can find out all the links to the podcast stuff there and the stuff that I write and publish. If you have a great story for me to tell, I'd love to hear about that. But you know, in the meantime, let's just connect and keep in touch and be open to those opportunities wherever they might come from. Well, thank you, Maya. I've uh, truly enjoyed uh, getting to know you quickly here in a 30-minute in a session and learning about your business. I, I appreciate you being a guest and, and uh, imparting. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting uh, podcast for me because of the, uh, of the 
thinking about the future and talking about mm. what is, is potentially in front of us. So I thank you very much again. Thanks for having me, Brian. I've really enjoyed this. Thanks.